Welcome back to another episode of the Oregon Lacrosse Podcast. On today's episode, we have current redshirt sophomore midfielder from Syracuse and former Jesuit High School All-American, Tucker Dordovic. Tucker and I discuss his recruiting journey, how he trains and gets better, and how he overcomes adversity. Before we get into the interview, the Oregon Lacrosse Podcast is brought to you by Madlax Oregon. Elevate your game this summer with Oregon's premier coaching staff. Register today for summer select team tryouts at madlaxoregon.com. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Tucker. episode of the Oregon Lacrosse Podcast. I am your host, Mike Marcotte. Today, we have a special guest, Tucker Dordovic. Tucker is a redshirt junior? Redshirt sophomore. Redshirt sophomore at Syracuse University, where he plays midfield. Um, got a ton of playing time his freshman year. Went into a little bit of an injury his sophomore year, and now he's back for his, what is his academically junior, but redshirt sophomore athletically. Yeah. Um, Tucker's a graduate from Jesuit High School here in Portland, where he was a Three-time All-American, two-time All-American, two-time, two-time All-American, um, and we're super excited to have Tucker. So, Tucker, welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, so, today we really want to focus on kind of your training routine because I think a lot of kids today see your highlights and see um, you on YouTube. It's kind of like the nature of social media. It's mm-hmm. like every time Tucker does something cool, like everyone sees it and mm-hmm. everyone reposts it. But I don't think a lot of kids today, especially those maybe pre-high school or even in high school, understand like those highlights came with a lot of hard work. Yeah, definitely. You don't just show up on the field, do something really cool, and then it's posted on social media without all the back uh, work and all the story behind that. So really wanted to focus on your training routine and techniques. Um, Talked a lot about coaching philosophies and all that, but I don't think we've really dove deep into, you know, how you become an elite player here. Mm -hmm. So I want to get your take on that. Talk a little bit about recruiting, talk about your time at Syracuse, um, and just kind of see where the conversation takes us organically. For so, sure. Um, kind of the first thing I talk to about um, with everyone that's on the podcast is kind of your background on lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about pre, obviously pre-Syracuse days. Um, when did you start playing lacrosse? And uh, if you have like a first lacrosse memory, what would that be? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I started playing lacrosse. In the first grade, I didn't play on my first team until second grade, but uh, my two older brothers were playing like third grade, uh, like Riverdale youth lacrosse, and my dad was kind of helping out, and they both like hate ball sports, like football, basketball, like their hand eyes awful. Um, so like I always wanted to play like them, so I like decided to play lacrosse with them, but they were like, it was the first sport where I was better than them at something, and them being older than me, I was like, oh, well, this is good. Um, so like that's kind of how I like started into it. Um, but they slowly stopped playing and I started in second grade. Like they went back for their second year and then I was like, oh sweet, what teams can I play on? And so my mom found like first, second grade, like Oswego Youth Lacrosse. And so I started playing that and then they played that season and stopped playing because they hated it, but I kind of kept it going. Well, your brother kind of went on, one of your brothers kind of went on to be a really great track star. Didn't really need a ball to play that. No, yeah, definitely. So, um, that's cool. Um, for our listeners out there, just. Just in case you hear basketballs dribbling or people going on, there's a 
basketball tournament going on right above us. So mm-hmm. um, <laughs> bear with us here if you hear some basketballs dribbling. Um, but we'll try to keep that as quiet as possible. Um, so cool. So your first kind of memory is your mom trying to find a, a league for you to play in and yeah. landed in the Lake Oswego Youth Lacrosse League, which was the first. Mm-hmm. It's probably like the only one of the only programs yeah. that sponsored first and grade at that time. Yeah, it was all LO versus LO. Like we weren't playing like other schools it was like yeah. lo blue versus lo white and we would just like scrimmage right which is so different i mean you graduated high school in 2017 yeah i graduated in 2012 that's only a five-year difference and mm. the first year they offered lacrosse to me was fifth grade yeah that's crazy so i mean it's just amazing how fast it's been yeah. growing um, we got a long ways to go but it's kind of cool to see the next generation there's a reason you're so talented right like you picked up a stick in first grade i had no yeah. idea what the sport of lacrosse was exactly. in first grade um Cool. So let's let's just jump kind of from first grade. Let's just jump into high school. You decided to uh, attend um, private school, mm-hmm. um, not stick around in Lake Oswego or Riverdale or anything like that. But you decided to go play for Jesuit High School mm-hmm. in Portland, Oregon. What was that experience like? What was it like stepping on the field as a freshman mm-hmm. um, for Jesuit? It was it was awesome. The first week of tryouts, I didn't quite know if I was going to make varsity. Because prior to that, like I got cut from West Coast Stars that year. I got cut from all these different teams. I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. Um, so luckily at the end of the tryouts week, I made it. And I had no clue what position I was going to play. And I was playing like face-off midfield and attack. And our, like one of our starting attackmen got hurt. So our first game, I got to play, and I played attack, and I played pretty well. So that like solidified me playing like offense, luckily. But it was kind of weird because – my brothers were seniors at the time. And so a bunch of their friends were on the team and I was the only freshman at the time on varsity. And so I felt like I was like six years old because all these guys were felt like they were 20 years old compared to me. Like they felt so much older than me that I was kind of not starstruck, but I was like almost confused about like how I'm on the team. And they seem like, cause I always thought my brothers were so much older than me and mm-hmm. now I'm playing with their friends. It just kind of felt like weird. Yeah. It's a, there's a big gap between a freshman and a senior. Yeah. Like, not just, like in age wise, but height, yeah. weight, like you like probably get pushed around kids. a little bit. Yeah. Like one check probably hurts more than it's ever hurt type oh my, of thing. I remember the very first practice we were doing like some similar to West Jenny, but it was like four on four or something. And I was just getting like killed, like s- smashed and hit. Like they were just like picking on me. Yeah. And I was just like, well, here, here we are, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. So for all those eighth graders out there, uh, the transition to high school or the 23 class now hasn't even stepped on the f- high school field yet it's gonna yeah. be a, it's gonna be a wild ride for you yeah. but it's it's all worth it at the end it makes you better it makes you tougher definitely um so cool freshman year you didn't know if you were gonna take face-offs you didn't know if you were gonna play attack but luckily you got to play attack yeah. um strangely enough you came to face off later down the road in high yeah. school um we'll talk about that in a minute but what was like a what would you say your biggest jump was from year to year? Was it like freshman to sophomore, sophomore to junior? Where did you find the stride, um, confident you know confidence wise? Like where did Tucker become Tucker? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. After my freshman year happened and that season ended, and that summer, like I just felt like like a better lacrosse player. I played with all these older guys. Like I felt better than I did the summer prior, um, but I still didn't feel like I made like a huge jump. And then after my sophomore season into my junior year, so I almost want to say like that fall after the summer, uh, after my sophomore year summer. So that first fall, I felt like now I feel like I can play with most people in the country. But before that, I was still kind of like a little shaky on where I'd stand at like these different tournaments on in the East Coast. But like after that sophomore season, 
so that summer going into junior year i felt like pretty like i took the biggest leap yeah yeah that's that's interesting i mean you had such a interesting game when you were younger you weren't as well obviously big and strong yeah. and fast as you are now you were kind of like a, a slippery mm-hmm. you know like you played like very slippery and definitely um you were smaller if you got hit like the stands could feel it because you were just tiny yeah. but like you could get to the goal i remember coaching mm-hmm. you in eighth when you were an eighth grader and i think we were all kind of like oh man we wonder where this kid's gonna end up like yeah. he's, he plays so hard and so fast like you can see him see the moments of brilliance but you're like, man, it's like, he's just, he just, he's just tiny. Yeah. <laughs> and like, we don't like to, you know, this, this is not a sport about size, but there were, there were moments where like Tucker would just get smashed through the yeah. middle. And then there were moments where Tucker would dodge the whole team and score. And you're like, man, I just can't put a finger on yeah, it. I don't know where he's going to go, but it became very evident. Like your sophomore mm-hmm. junior year high school that yeah. Tucker was going to go do great things. I also f- think I found like, I started playing a lot more midfield mm-hmm. and I liked midfield. Like a, I thought it fit my game a little better going down towards that rather than coming from behind it. And so I think that kind of like helped me. Yeah. More space, more yeah. dynamic, see the field better. Mm-hmm. You have more time to process it because you're a little further yeah. away from the goal. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, all right. So let's just now, now you're a junior senior. Um, we'll get on the recruiting. Like you're committed to this point. We'll, we'll dive into like the recruiting story in a minute, but you're committed, you're junior, senior, um what was it like being a junior senior like what you know you had you guys had chances to win a state championship it unfortunately Mm. didn't shake out the way you probably wanted it to definitely um but you know junior and senior year this is when tucker becomes an all-american this is where tucker gets invited the under armor all-american game and et cetera Mm. et cetera what was that ride like as a junior and senior high school um it was very fun i think that's the time where i like kind of really bought into like the weight training and like rather than going and rolling the balls out, like going and doing actual shooting drills and stuff that I would translate over to on the field stuff. Um, but I think just like, and also a lot of it was watching my brother. He was a couple years older than me and he like really took his training serious. And I was always kind of the athlete in the family. And when he became like an elite 400 meter track runner, I was like jealous. And I was like, well, the stuff he's doing is working. So like, why can't I take, and a lot of the stuff he was doing was, obviously running and just lifting that was like the main thing that he could do and I was like what if I can take that part and translate it over to lacrosse and that that like junior senior year is when I started feeling like I wasn't the smallest kid on the field or I wasn't the weakest kid or I wasn't the smallest like whatever it may be like I felt like I could actually push people around and like use my body and so I honestly think the most fun part of that was just like trying to become more of like an elite player or like elite athlete if that makes yeah. sense so you weren't you weren't necessarily concerned on how good of a lacrosse player you were you were just more concerned on how good of an athlete you could become yeah you know, that could have been any sport probably tucker would have done the same thing in basketball football mm-hmm. whatever it was um and that's kind of like this for a long time and i think i think we've shaken it luckily mm-hmm. i think like we're through the era of like lacrosse players aren't athletes like they shouldn't train like athletes right Definitely. like we we should train just like anyone else we should train like elite running backs we exactly train, like, point guards in basketball we should train like um like the athletes like we are i mean if you watch the sport of lacrosse like it's so dynamic it's so fast and yeah i don't know why the stigma behind it became i think it's this lax bro culture which mm-hmm. i i hate the word i can't it's even the say worst it thing it's ever. the worst thing ever and you get comments on social media like lax bro this lax bro that and like whether it's ill-intentioned or not it's still just really 
I'm the same exact me. way. Yeah, it yeah. drives me nuts. And so, my my brother doesn't know anything about lacrosse. Like, he's seen the lax bro videos, and yeah. it's like funny. And he'll like say that stuff to me, and it like just gets under my skin because it's like I just like. And he's joking, but it's yeah. like my biggest. I agree with you. It's like my biggest pet peeve. Like one of the one of the worst things is, um, like while those videos were funny, it's like they actually kind of hurt the reputation of our sport Definitely. a little bit. Like right. I don't know. It just grinds my gears. So it's I, cool to see kids these days, especially you leading the charge. And there's a couple other kids, um, a little older than you, a little you know younger than you that are mm-hmm. really taking their training seriously. Definitely. And if you don't, like you're not going to be an elite lacrosse 100%, player. I agree. Um, cool. Let's, uh, so junior and senior year kind of found your kind of groove on the high school field. What was uh, club lacrosse like back then for you? Like, what did you, who did you play for? What did you, what did yeah. you like about it? What did you not like about it? So, I'll start right off the bat. My number one pet peeve being a smaller guy was the early recruiting. Mm-hmm. Like I was no zero attention was to me, freshman, almost sophomore year into like November um, after fall. But I played for Rhino. Um, Rhino and West Coast Stars were kind of the two clubs. And my f- I played Rhino forever from like fifth grade till I graduated high school. But West Coast Stars was – I didn't really know tons about it until I was like freshman-ish – and like some of my buddies have played on it, but I remember trying out, I think it was like eighth grade summer or something. And I just got completely cut, like just sent home like right away. And then I tried it again that following summer going into my sophomore year and I got cut again. And that was kind of like a little bit of like drove me. That, that was when I was like, okay, I felt like I was better than these kids. Like I want to play mm-hmm. with these kids. And so I was on like the sectional team and I finally made it my sophomore summer going into the fall of my junior year. So it was a while. Um, but that some, I think that's, like, I was the most, I was, couldn't have been more happy that I got cut because like, that's kind of what made it or showed me that like, I, there's stuff that I need to do. Like I thought I was good, but I didn't, I never really thought of myself as small, even though I knew I was small looking back on it. I was super small. And like, I always talk about that with my mom. I was the tiniest kid on the field. Um, but like getting cut was probably my like favorite, not favorite thing. It sucked at the time, but like, the best thing that happened in my lacrosse career, I think. And then. Like, when I finally got to play with them, like, I felt like I actually, like, deserved it, if that made sense. Mm-hmm. And then my Rhino team, we just played. It was the same, like, 25 guys for summer after summer, and that was, like, the most super fun. Yeah, I mean, like, what's what's cool is, like, that 2017, 2016 class, because you kind of played with dual classes, right? Yeah. Like Clo- Ryan Close and Conspire. Yeah. Um, what was cool about those teams was that you guys stuck together for so long. Mm-hmm. And I like. I can't I can't stress enough to kids these days like you have to play with your local teams. 100%. You have to like it's not just about you, it's about everyone else. Definitely. Like you can help each other get recruited, right? 100%. Like, there's there's kids today that'll just just go and play like West, West Coast, Coast Stars or yeah. just go and you don't which is fine and great. Like I'm not going to not like go go do it go do what you want to do, mm-hmm. but you like need to train and be around guys 100%. like in Oregon and like take pride in that. Like the guys that take so, a ton of pride in Oregon and where they come from and who they're who they train with are the guys that have a lot of success yeah well our our thing growing up was like if there was ever like rhino was our number one priority there mm-hmm. could be the best tournament in the world going on with west coast stars but like no matter what we would go to valhalla with rhino because like that was our like best friends in the world all mm-hmm. played for rhino and it made it so much more fun as well like right i mean i think i think like a like a kid one year younger is like sam hanley like mm-hmm. played with that oregon pride slash three Oregon team his whole career forever and, yeah i mean look where he is now like exactly it doesn't make you a worse player. No. Be- just because you go play West Coast Stars for one little term, it's not going to make you I a agree. better player. Yeah, 100%. I, like, I want people to understand that. Like, if what's about, like, when you sh- freshman and sophomore year, it's about becoming a better player, not getting recruited. Mm-hmm. And 
it's so much easier to do that when you're in town training with everybody. Yeah. You can call someone up and go shoot. So I was really cool the way you went about it. And then you, you know, when you got committed and recruited, like West Coast Star is great. Like it's a plat, it's a platform for you to, yeah. um, it's a platform for you to get recruited, not a platform for you to get better. No, 100%. I don't think. I agree. A hundred percent. Um, so yeah, so there, there is merit to those national level teams, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you want to get better. You got to train. We, have a, we were texting a bunch of us today, like Zane Sands, Sam, Emmett, Colin, Cam James, and we were trying to get like for this weekend, just like meet up and yeah, exactly. go around and do like three on threes or whatever it may be. And You're like, not calling the kid from San Diego that you played West Coast Stars with. Exactly. Probably a great kid. But yeah. Not going to be able to train with him this weekend. 100%. <laughs> um, so super cool. I, I like the way you approached club lacrosse. I think everyone should look at that and approach it the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact of you getting cut, like that's honestly, I love hearing it because you were a, one of the better players in the state, you know, in your freshman class, like mm-hmm. you made varsity, we're starting on varsity, like we're doing really good things, but it showed you that like, look, this is a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fish in a small pond in Oregon. Yeah. Like I got to work on things. Definitely. Like, I got cut. Like being good in Oregon is not going to make me a good player. Some really, really talented players yeah. in Oregon, but you know, they, they take their training lightly and they don't mm-hmm. have those humbling experiences and then they don't end up panning out like you are panning mm-hmm. out. So, well, even going back to what you said about like how, like I started in first grade and even whatever, six, seven years before that you started in fifth grade, like for the last 25 years, kids on the East coast have been starting playing lacrosse at kindergarten, like when they were four years old. Mm-hmm. So like it shows how much of like, we may not see it as much, but there's like, is a gap that we're trying to like catch up to that some people don't like realize. I you guess. know, and it takes a long time. It's, there's generations of talent mm-hmm. lacrosse and coaching back there that we are, you know, constantly gonna be chasing, and that's just the way it is. Exactly. Um, you know, it's like funny. I, I see like dads today, like the dad like um, Josh Peck, who's from mm-hmm. you know the director of Madlax, who's from the East Coast, and I see his kid running around. His kid can, like, he can barely walk. Yeah. And he's got a he's got a stick in his hand. Yeah. I'm like. That's the generational mm-hmm. gap we're talking about. Exactly, like the kid is can barely walk, can't really pick up a ground ball, can't can't throw a ball, but he's running around with a stick in. He knows he's as weird as it sounds. He's getting the feel of it. Yeah, <laughs> he's a really young kid. Well, you played with Brendan Bomberry, yeah. and then I played with him my senior year, and like it's a little different story. But he his son is like the three, and he's yeah. like the best. Like you could put him in like a sixth grade lacrosse game, and he'd be like the best kid, just because he's held that stick longer. Yeah, forever. It's crazy. So, yeah, no, I. Like we're doing great things in Oregon and mm-hmm. we are growing rapidly and yeah. the talent is getting better and better every year. But there's, you know, we're always going to, if we don't have that chip on our shoulder of like being the younger brother to the East coast, then we're, you know, it's not, we're not going to get as good as hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's what my generation had, what your generation had. And I hope the generation now has, even though there's more social media and like you feel more connected to it. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have a chip on your shoulder. hundred percent. You got to go out there and want to, kill east coast teams because yeah. you're the, you're the or- kid from oregon 100 like they think you're still you know horse and chariot like they think that's how you yeah. got there no 150 percent. people like <laughs> will be like i remember getting to school and people were like where are you from and i'm like oregon they're like oh where's like the nearest house to yours and i was like just like a regular neighborhood like okay. <laughs> no i don't i don't i don't live on a farm exactly <laughs> um all right so done with club lacrosse done with high school um Let's go back, though, and talk about uh, your recruiting journey. Mm-hmm. And it's different for you than it was, than it is now for kids today with the new recruiting legislations and yeah. rules around it. But let's just talk about um, your recruiting journey. How did it begin? Where did it start? Like you said, you didn't get much love as a freshman and sophomore. But when did you start picking up momentum and 
you know, communicating with coaches and stuff? Yeah. So freshman year obviously got started. And I remember sitting, it was like October and I was sitting in my mom has a little office in our basement and I was sitting, talking to her. She was on like scrolling through Facebook. It was after school. And I didn't even like know what recruiting was at the time, like in lacrosse. I never thought of it. My, my brother was going through his track recruiting at the time, but I didn't know like even what early recruiting was. And we're sitting there after school. It's like around Halloween and my mom's on Facebook and like West Coast Stars posts like freshman, blah, 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 commits to blah, blah, blah. And I was, my mom told me, I was like, what? Like <laughs> kids are looking at schools. Like it was completely shell shocking to me. And then like a week or two went by and I started to like look into it. And I saw that, okay, like recruiting starts now. Yeah. Like no one really ever told me about it. Um, so as that year kind of went on, like recruiting was picking up and I had friends that were committing to play places that were like pretty like Jake Frank, who I played lacrosse for years. He committed to Notre Dame like before high school that year. And I was like, okay, that's when I first saw it. I was like, damn, that's pretty cool. And so obviously freshman year, I didn't have any, didn't really talk to any schools. Um, and then summer going that summer, I like knew it was going to be a big summer. Like I heard about recruiting. I talked to a bunch of people. Um, and in my mind, I was like, Oh sick. This is a big summer. But like there was, I should, there was not ready to, yeah. Like I really shouldn't have gotten any interest at all. But I, luckily I started talking to some smaller schools. Like I talked to Detroit a little bit that summer and some schools like that. Um, and then that like fall, I guess, is that like beginning of sophomore year is when I started like lifting a lot. So I like that fall season, I felt like a lot better and stronger. And so I got a little bit of interest and ended up actually just committed in Delaware. Like I went on a visit. I was like, every other class seemed full. Coaches were telling me like all these ACC schools are full. All these big 10 schools are full. All these, whatever, all these other schools are full. So I was like, well, I don't want to like be SOL and yeah. not play any college across. And at the time I was like, I'm going to end up going to a smaller tier D one school or playing D three lacrosse. Like that thought I, that's where I thought I didn't want to, I really wanted to play an ACC big 10, like a Penn state and UNC Syracuse. But at the time I was just like being realistic with myself. I was like, I can continue working and see, hopefully that will take me to where I want to be. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. So I committed to Delaware. And then the day I committed to Delaware is I, I was like a couple days later, I was sitting in my, in, driving to my mom was driving me somewhere. And I looked at my mom and I said, no, this is no knack to Delaware. Like I, have friends there like it's awesome school they're very good and they're like they've had a good record they're doing well in the acc uh or caa sorry um but i was just driving there and i was like mom like to be honest i don't want to really go there like i really i was like i want to go to maryland or syracuse or unc or penn state like I, I was just said that and my mom's like like for like i don't remember what she said but she was just like brush it under the rug or whatever she was like done with the recruiting she just wanted like was happy i was somewhere um so like from that moment on, I was just like, I'm going somewhere else. I'm going to do whatever it takes to go, go to a new place. So the early recruiting was like very like rattling to me almost. Um, so we started the early recruiting, nothing happened. I ended up committing to Delaware. I started working like, that's when I was just like, I'm working my tail off from here on out. And then, so that's so November of my sophomore year, that junior year, that following summer, and into that fall, so junior year summer, we're going into junior summer, junior year fall. Um, no, I went the whole summer committed to Delaware. I didn't talk to any other schools that the summer going into senior year, sorry, and senior year like fallish. I received. I went to like the Under Armour underclass games. I don't know if that was a thing mm -hmm. when you were 
in high school. I was on the first West team. Oh, cool. Ever. Yeah. Okay. You, you, I mean, you're probably three or four years after me, but yeah, yeah, those are, those are awesome. It was, it's like one of the most fun yeah. tournaments and most like high intense tournaments I've yeah. ever been to. But that, so I, so I went a whole year committed to Syracuse, junior year, January, or whole year committed to Delaware, sorry, junior year, January, we were with Rhino. And I texted Ryan Powell. I said, I want to go to Syracuse. Can you help me in any way, shape, or form? And at the time, he hadn't seen me play in a while. So he was like, yeah. But he didn't. He told me this afterwards. He was like, I didn't know if you actually could play there or not. So he, he came to Las Vegas to coach our team. And he saw me play. And he called me on the way to school. And he just said, if you want to go to Syracuse, I can help you make it happen. And I was like, freaking out. Called my mom, whatever. So he put me in contact with the coaches. They watched tape. Then I went and visited. Ended up committing there. And then that following summer, um, that following summer, I like received interest from like Brown and Maryland. But I was never gonna. I wanted to go to Syracuse since I was a little little kid. So I would never decommit. But like I actually got once I committed to Syracuse, I like, got attention from other schools that I never would have even thought would happen. Yeah. No. I mean, like. Coaches are, you know, trying to save their jobs and get the best kids they can. Yeah. Who are the best kids? Like the ones that are committed to other schools. And it's exactly. just the nature of the beast now. 100%. It's like, um, it's, nothing's final until you sign that piece of paper and you're there. Exactly. So, definitely. Um, recruiting continues even after you make a verbal, right? 100%. And I, that's just like any sport. I, I mean, how many people has Nick Saban poached at exactly. Alabama from everywhere yeah it's the way of the world now yeah it's it's just like it's it's not it's not necessarily a bad thing it's like you know you're in the work world like after you graduate like if there's two companies that want you they're even after you start working there they're gonna keep reaching out exactly like, so well if you if you look at our like starting six players one kid on my midi line one kid was committed to syracuse through and through the other kid was committed to penn decommitted um we have a transfer from holy cross we have a transfer from um loyola our second line, we have a kid from Army who's like we poached from Army. Like it's just all this stuff. Like you look at our roster, and like a quarter of the team was mm-hmm. committed or went somewhere else. Which yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean it's testament to you. Got to be a school kids want to go to these days. Exactly. And yeah, if you're not investing in the the your program and the brand of your program and the coaching staff. Like kids are not gonna like they're gonna sniff that out and end up wanting to go somewhere else. Hundred percent. It's kind of like um, Oregon football. Yeah, like, there's a reason they throw so much money into the jerseys and facilities, all the crazy and stuff. Yeah, like, that's what kids want. And yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, when kids get there, they probably just want to win. Mm-hmm. Like everything kind of goes out the wayside. Like you don't even notice facilities or jerseys no. anymore. All you're concerned about is winning and getting exactly. better. Exactly. Um, but that's the the initial allure, right? 100%. Um, cool. So you you were committed to Delaware, kind of, for lack of better words, like that was like the option. Yeah, it's like I wanted to play college cross. That was the option. But then you started to understand that I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I wanted a different college experience. Um, talk about what you liked about Syracuse, and because you visited, right? Yeah. Talk about what stood out to you when you visited. Like, what was the allure of it? Definitely. So I actually went up like right after winter break. So like this time a couple years ago, and there were no students on campus yet, and. I just like the first thing that struck out to me, I was watching tons of videos and stuff like that, but it was like the, the carrier dome was the coolest place ever. I was like, I've never seen a full like in indoor stadium. It's a size, like size of Otson almost and it's inside, which I thought was pretty cool. And then the facilities and like the, I have learning differences. So like I have pretty bad dyslexia. And so a big thing on where I was going to school was like, I have to make sure that they can like 
accommodate me. And so the, they have like an athletic, uh, tutoring center and then like an advisor, um, who's the best human being in the whole world. Um, but like that was the main point. And then we also went to the UNC basketball game and like, that was really fun for me and my dad. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. It's like got everything academically. Well, I like, again, and I think a lot of kids with social media and YouTube, and there's probably a video promoting every college out there now, making it look really cool. At the end of the day, it's about like, you're, you're going to be in lacrosse for a long time. Mm -hmm. Even after you graduate, you're probably going to coach. You're going to go play professionally. You're going to do a lot of things, right? Yeah. But the, the thing that, lacrosse will fade at some point the thing that doesn't is your your education yeah right so i'm glad you brought it back to like they had everything i needed from like my learning differences standpoint like that has to be a priority too yeah. right we're just student athletes mm-hmm. and you need to find a place where you are going to fit academically 100 or else you're not going to have athletic success uh-huh. right if you went to a school that didn't um provide the services that you needed you know to accommodate you you probably wouldn't have as much success on no. the field right yeah so that's you know a big thing to kids today, freshmen, sophomores that are getting into this recruiting journey is like make sure that they have the programs you want, the programs you need, and mm-hmm. you feel strong that you can do well there academically. I agree. As soon as academics go downhill, you're not going to play as well. No, right? I've seen it's that stressful enough already. I've seen that um, hurt so many kids. Like yeah, you know, grades start to slip, and now I'm panicking about my grades, and yeah. now I'm not having fun at practice, and 100%. I'm stressed about this test I got next week, and. You know, if you feel comfortable academically, you're going to have more success. Yeah. Lacrosse or athletics and um, academics, when they are together and like in like harmony, mm-hmm. so to speak, they can elevate both. A hundred percent. Right. I actually have a story for that. So my, I get like pretty good grades and my worth, if I've been in college so far for five semesters and my freshman year, my first two semesters obviously played lacrosse in the fall and played lacrosse in the spring. My second semester, or my first semester sophomore year, and my second semester sophomore year, I couldn't play because I had to get foot surgery. And my grades my freshman year were better than they were sophomore year, and my grades this semester were better than they were my sophomore year. And that's not saying my, my sophomore year grades were still good, but they weren't. Mm-hmm. I could have had, like, I think lacrosse, I told my mom this the other day, having lacrosse, at least in my mind, promotes you to do well in school. Yeah. Well, you, you don't you don't do well in school, you don't get lacrosse. Exactly. I mean, like you know, if college coaches are preaching, you know, and practicing what they preach. It's like yeah. academics got to come first. Like we can't let you on the field if you're failing. Hundred um, percent. You know, and that's that's to all the coaches out there. That's on you to make sure your kids are. You know, I'm I'm not. I don't care about winning. Yeah. More so, I care about you getting good grades in school. Graduating. If you start to slip in one class, you're not allowed to practice. Go get your grades. Hundred percent. And that's I I didn't realize that's like very preached at Syracuse. So like my always growing up, I was just like, look like college sports, like the sport definitely like they always say it comes second, but I was like, it has to come first. And then I remember being the first couple of weeks of fall ball, my freshman year, like kids would miss practice for tutors or have not miss the coach would obviously know, but have to not go to practice because of a group project or a test. And I was like, it really is like mm-hmm. school comes first. Yeah. And I think that if it's like you said, if it's, that's not preached, then and definitely in the fall. Yeah. Like, 100%. We're trying to build a base for the spring. Yeah. <laughs> probably difficult to convince coach desco you got a group project during practice before you definitely. play unc yeah no definitely but they, yeah. they definitely there definitely is an emphasis mm-hmm. on school which i think is awesome so like yeah we're i mean we're in preseason now for i mean i coach just completely stakes are completely lower but i mm-hmm. coach high school and we have you know our preseason lifts and preseason we're gonna have preseason practices here soon like this is the time to get your grades right 100 like, if you say i got a tutor 
I got a project, I got this, and you know, I'm I'm gonna trust you. Yeah. Don't, don't disrespect that trust, but yeah. I trust you. Go, go handle your business mm-hmm. this spring. It's you gotta have your you gotta have everything lined up. Definitely, hundred percent. You gotta be a little more on top of everything. Yeah. And that's probably where lacrosse and academics teach life the best is you know probably sports in general is time management and mm-hmm. prioritizing and understanding that playing an hour of video games here is going <laughs> to sacrifice and we all have right? no like yeah have played you know you take you decompress and you play video games but yeah there's probably kids out there that play too many and then 100%. they're like oh crap i have a paper to do tomorrow yeah. and i have practice yeah like, so um no, no that's 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 where lacrosse and um academics can kind of come together and mm-hmm. um, teach you a lot about life not just Definitely. about you know academics or just athletics yeah so cool so you, so you stepped on campus kind of the allure of syracuse like it's it's syracuse like mm-hmm. it's the best like, you could make a case yeah for the best cross program of all time mm-hmm. at college level i'm sure hopkins grads would have something to say about that yeah. or something but <laughs> definitely um you could make your arguments um so it's the allure of syracuse it's it's the academics um you said like if you had if you had a checklist right mm-hmm. it's like high level across academic support um i want to play at a place that you know probably promotes family and from promotes my academics yeah like you had a checklist although small probably for some people mm-hmm. it hit it yeah and my previous episode with R- coach macri he said when he stepped on campus at north carolina you know he had he was one of the best defensemen in the country at the time and he probably visited tons of places right yeah um when he said he stepped on North Carolina, and I, I'm I'm just trying to see if this is true for everybody, um, it might not be. He said he just it was just like I had a gut feeling, like this is where I needed to be. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, I remember actually walking in. I don't know if it was 08 or 09 championship, but I walked. My dad was cleaning their room, their my parents' room, or fixing something, and it was Memorial Day weekend. And at the time, I didn't know what Memorial Day weekend was for lacrosse, but I remember walking to my parents' room, and my dad was just flipping through the channels on ESPN, like trying to get something up, and. I saw across. I was like, stop, stop, stop. And it was Syracuse. I don't remember who they were playing. Oh, no. I think I think it was. Might have been. Um, and I remember, like, I, I didn't say this, but I was like, that was the first lacrosse school I knew. So I was like, I want to go there. Mm-hmm. And so, like, then when Ryan coached me, I was like, I want to go to Syracuse. I want to go to Like, my whole time growing up, that was always where, like, I thought, like, the top echelon of lacrosse was. So, I don't know. Yeah. And then you stepped there and you were like, yep, this is exactly what I yeah. want. Yeah. I don't know why I can't really put it into words, but I feel right. Yeah. Here. Like yeah. I didn't say, I don't, my mom, you can ask my mom and dad, like we were sitting, we got there on a Thursday night or Friday night and we were sitting, we might, we went to dinner and I was literally sitting in my chair. My knees were like literally up and down. Like I was so anxious and nervous to like see what I actually had in the store. Cause I was like, I was here, but I was like, is anything going to come from this? Am I actually going to end up coming? Like I was so nervous and like starstruck to be like in this mm-hmm. place. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of kids get that, get that moment in their life where, this is like this is a big deal yeah right? like no not the it's less than one percent get to experience what that Definitely. type of it's crazy experience um all right so that's kind of a tucker door recruiting story um probably a little different than most mm-hmm. uh, probably a little unconventional yeah decommitting and needing to accommodate ath- you know academics just as much as athletics and mm-hmm. having a passion since they were young um to go somewhere probably a little different than normal like i didn't that's completely different than my experience yeah. right so super unique to you but what do you think is the the biggest advice you can give to let's let's start with let's let's start with someone as an eighth grader right uh-huh. now you know no, knowing that recruiting legislation has changed and they coach can't talk to them till their junior year what's your biggest we'll go through every year 
up to like junior year. Mm-hmm. What's your biggest advice to like a kid in eighth grade? Yeah. For the recruiting journey. Definitely. So I think if I had to go through the whole process again, the way that I would do it was I would honestly f- almost try to completely not even think about for the first, because they can't even talk to you, right? Until, mm-hmm. what is it, junior year? September 1, something like that. Yeah, junior, year, junior yeah. year. So I was like, I wouldn't even try to focus on that at all because I was like, okay, that's two years away. All I would try to do is I would play for my, my uh, like Mad Lax now. Like I'd play for my Rhino three or four tournaments, Rhino, whatever it may be. And I would honestly just try to like do a bunch of shooting drills, like stuff that was beneficial to you as a player. Mm-hmm. Shooting drills and start slowly start like lifting. Like I know it can depend on like how much through puberty you are, like mm-hmm. when you start lifting. But like I'd figure all that out. Start just training, working on shooting, working on getting faster, getting stronger, getting better endurance. And as that freshman year goes, I would like try to watch as much lacrosse as I can. I would just honestly try to learn and become the best player I can. Um, and then as you get in, do you know if they like when you're like a sophomore, can they watch you, but just not mm-hmm. talk to you? Okay. They so watch like, you. they can send you like a prospect day flyers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that like freshman going into sophomore year summer, I'd want to play on my, my local club team. And then, Maybe if, if if you can try to go play like one tournament on in like Maryland or New York or Long, like wherever it may be to like see kind of where you mm-hmm. like may rank. Like, yeah. Like how you stack up. Yeah. How you stack up. And then from there, kind of use that. Talk to like your Mad Lax coaches, talk to your high school coaches, see what things you can work on. Try to maybe even work with them if you can, like how me and you go and shoot, like mm-hmm. do stuff like that and just kind of become the best player I can. And then once recruiting comes, like hopefully you've done the preparation where you know like okay i can play at an acc school i can play at a big 10 school i can get recruited there and then for some reason if not you have another summer mm-hmm. where you can prepare and if for some reason like my biggest thing with recruiting and i wish i did this more my first time like my first go before i committed to delaware is if you're good enough they'll find a spot on their roster for you like people can say like okay like their recruiting's closed or whatever it may be or their class is closed but if you are like a good enough player and you see this all the time now they will poach you or they will steal you or they like whatever it may be or the kid will just wait a really long time and then commit like i think you just want to get best you can be and then kind of just judge yourself as you go through the mm-hmm. process if that makes sense yeah be, like focus on the, the things you can control yeah you can't control how a coach perceives you you can't control how a what you know necessarily if the coach is even going to stop by your field at a tournament yeah. like you can send all the emails you want which, don't get me wrong like you got to talk to them. Definitely. They got to know who you that. are. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure you send a bunch of emails. Tons. Like, um, they got to know who you are. They got to know your name. They got to they got to know what fields you're on, but that's that's in your control. Mm-hmm. Now everything's out of your control. Definitely. Can you you can't like force them to come to your game. Mm-hmm. You can't force them to view you as a good player. You can't yeah. do any of this thing. You can't even you can't do so many things that um, kids like want to control and it's like frustrating they can't, exactly. right? But the things you can control are going out and getting better your work ethic your attitude and all the preparation like you talked about to mm-hmm. get to that point um so focus on the control the controllables right so i got one more thing to add and i think this is like obviously i'm not around all the time to see if kids are playing well ball, but i think like the number 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 one p- training tool in the sport of lacrosse is wall ball i know like everybody says that but like i started doing it midway through high school like every single day i have a routine i switch it up like i think it's the if your stick skills are good it can adjust for how big you are or how fast you are. If you can even move it, like it, like if your stick skills are good, I think that's 
how far of a player you can become. If that makes sense. like I think just wall ball is like the best thing in the world. I mean, look at look at some of the the most talented and skilled players per capita, mm-hmm. like per amount of players they have. Just the Iroquois Nation. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you played with some Iroquois Nation yeah. players, Brendan Bombury, and now Chase Scanlon. Yeah. Is, um, at Syracuse and probably tons more. You've tons. Seen. Yeah. They are not the biggest. Mm-mm. By God, they're not fast. No. They're you know not, Brendan, he's yeah, not fast yeah, at all. No. They're not fast. They're not big. They're not strong. I mean, they are, they're good athletes. Yeah. Right? They can do the thing. The things they can do with their stick are Insane. the reason they are. That's the reason they can compete with Canada and the United States. Yeah. They have like 2,000 lacrosse players to pick from. And we have like 300,000 lacrosse players yeah. to pick from. And they can still give us a run for a million in the world. Uh, yeah. Because it's of how crazy. Their stick skills are. And I'm, that's yeah. So I remember, like, so Brendan and then Tyson Bomberry's cousin, Tyson played with two years, or no, three years, two years, whatever it may be. And Brendan won. And, like, we would go out and just play, like, pig for fun. And, like, there are things they would teach us just there that I was, like, I've never even known that was plausible yeah. with the lacrosse stick. What's crazy is, like, then you see, like, all the, the old mantra of, like, shoot overhand, shoot mouth mm-hmm. shots. And then, like, these kids go out here and they shoot, like, underhand, backhand, sting top yeah. bars. And, like, well, that's the goal counts the same. Exactly. They just did it a different way. Like, I, we were playing pig and left uh brendan was like underhand twister to like the red flag we have like different flags colors we put in the corners and i was like what'd you say and he's like underhand twister and i was like what <laughs> like that's not a thing no yeah i was like it's just crazy they didn't teach me that in riverdale use <laughs> yeah, exactly um, um that's but. funny like and well you also i remember watching you at one tournament um you also play with like tohoka nanticoke mm-hmm. um who just does like the yeah. most nut stuff like you've ever seen and, it's crazy um but yeah so like wall ball and i think i'm not sure if coach macri talked about it he probably did mm-hmm. he talked about wall ball every single episode <laughs> now we're four episodes in as someone has said like go play wall ball yeah and every single player on this podcast or coach mm-hmm. that was a player was is an elite level across slusher elite mm-hmm. he's gonna have a great career at syracuse Josh Peck, captain at Hopkins. Yeah. Like, really good lacrosse. But you've ever seen the Josh play lacrosse. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Coach Macri won a national championship starting at the University of North Carolina. And now you, starting at Syracuse, you know, going to have a big junior year. We mm-hmm. know you are redshirt sophomore year. And everyone says wall ball. Yeah. As simple as it is. I mean, I remember when I was young, um, I went uh, to an elementary school um, not far from my house. Yeah. And... At night, they turn off the lights, but I would pull my Jeep up, my yeah. old, like, 95 Jeep, and i just leave it running. It's probably not good for the car, but <laughs> probably not good for the headlights. Yeah. Turn the headlights on, and I'd play wall ball. Like, yeah. I just would. Like, it's, it's just what I did. It's mm-hmm. like it's like a way to kill time. Definitely. I, I didn't like – I mean, I like video games, but I only played them with my friends. I'm the same way. I can't sit there and, like – I don't get into, like, the storyline of a video game. No, 100%. Um, and, like – TV was fine to watch, but I can't. I just like couldn't sit still. No, and, yeah. Like, I was like, all right, I'm leaving. I'm gonna go play lacrosse. Yeah, and now like, I'll a lot. And now as I've gotten later in like life, like I like to have like a routine of something, and then I'll just like put my headphones in and play. But like, I think like the most fun thing in the world is just like putting my earbuds in and like playing wall ball for a half hour. Yeah, like just throwing, doing random stuff. I'll never ever maybe we'll maybe we'll use in a game, but probably we'll never use in a game. And just yeah. like throw against a concrete wall for half hour. Well, you might not use it, but it makes you. a better no stick yeah handler, no right? definitely yeah like definitely you might get caught in a situation where like you're you know what i mean like your hands are low and like for some reason you got to throw this yeah. one pass like you probably never throw it again but you do it exactly um no it's cool so i uh, kids out there play a bunch of wall ball tons 
we at Madlax and like kids in like eighth grade, we practice like once a week in the fall. Yeah. Like, you're not going to get much better. No. Practicing once a week. That's for like me to teach you offense. Exactly. Not to work on your stick like concepts and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so cool. Um, biggest advice. Um, we're going to end biggest recruiting advice with play more wall ball. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> it. No, that is advice, it. But that yeah. is it. I agree. Um, all right. So let's uh, transition from recruiting. And I want to talk about, we talked, we touched on it earlier. It's like kids see you do all these cool things. Like I've watched the Tucker Dordovic four goals against Virginia mm-hmm. just to like see how you play and like just see if I can learn from it. Video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm sure kids have, out there have seen it. You don't score four goals against Virginia if you don't practice. Definitely you don't not. train, right? Yeah. Like that's not just not going to happen. No, definitely um, not. Let's just talk about your training mm-hmm. um, style. But first, before we get into your style, let's talk about how you how, how would you describe yourself as a lacrosse player? I'd like to describe, like, just, like, I guess my, like, style, I would say, is, like, kind of quick, agile. Um, I like this comes with wall block. I try to use both my hands. I want to be able to use both my players, but hands, but I also think my style like has kind of changed changes. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like from year to year, like I think as I become a smarter lacrosse player, I like take bits and pieces out and add bits and pieces. So right. I, I, overall I would just say like kind of quick agile, like just beat my man cleanly and like move the ball or shoot or whatever yeah. it may be. I think it's maybe a good word for dynamic. Like yeah. it's, up and down like quick mm-hmm. fast lateral movements L- when you were younger it was slippery mm-hmm. now i would consider you explosive because yeah you lift a bunch and like mm-hmm. you're just explosive you're an explosive it's a, it's like impressive to watch you shoot and dodge um so yeah i would say like explosive dynamic midfielder that like it's hard to stop you with a short stick mm-hmm. it's like um yeah i it's it'd be hard to like figure out how we're going to cover this kid because he doesn't play like a lot of other people mm-hmm. a lot of other like midfield dodgers in the country don't dodge like laterally like you do yeah um it's interesting i don't know how like that came about for you but Mm -hmm. a lot of guys are like downhill or yeah they don't have this crazy big split from the wing Mm -hmm. um i think a little bit of it came from like when i was really young i played a little bit of attack mm -hmm. and so like when i got to high school and switched i was like a lot of attacks like side to side so i was like i feel like i still have to play like side to side and so i think that just kind of came like naturally well, i think and sense. you like you like dodging from the wings yeah right? no definitely so, like it's a little more lateral out there not as much straight line yeah i think the wings are the best place to dodge from mm-hmm. um any so yeah dynamic midfielder we're gonna post a video soon about you can see tucker shooting it's um it'll be posted on my instagram morgan lacrosse i'm sure tucker will post it mm-hmm. um what you say you watch a lot of lacrosse i mean one of your piece of advice and what you did when you were a sophomore and freshman in high school is you watched a ton of lacrosse mm-hmm. what players specifically did you like watching yeah so it kind of switched um as i got older and like players obviously stopped playing or new players started playing um but like so last year i was obviously out for the whole year i couldn't do anything so like i was just like i'm gonna try to watch as much lacrosse as possible so i i would meet with our old at the time it was coach donnie and we would just like go over film and stuff like that but then last summer it was probably the most lacrosse I've ever watched. And I just got a little journal and I'd watch like Matt Kavanaugh, Tom Schreiber. Um, and then I, I watch a lot of Schreiber just cause he's the best. Yeah. He's the best midi out there. So yeah. I was like, but like Kyle Harrison, Paul Rabel. Um, but then I also was like, I feel like there's tons I can learn from positions that maybe I don't play like attack or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. So it was kind of weird. I started watching 
like Rob Pinnell and uh, Allen Iverson. I was like, I can, this stuff I'm sure I can take from Allen Iverson's yeah, like game that I could translate to lacrosse. So I just got a little journal or I had a little, I found it in my house and I just opened my computer and every day for like 15, 20 minutes, I would just pick a player and jot down some notes on him and next yeah. day I'd do the same thing. So it was, it was, there's like a handful of guys I'd watch, but I'd say Shriver is definitely yeah. number one. I mean, the, the, the amount of people that are better than Tucker is dwindling every year because you're getting better and better. So mm-hmm. the amount of people that are better than you is getting less. Mm-hmm. But I'm a firm believer that you can get better at something just by watching someone that's better than you. I agree 100%. Right? And if you, again, if you, and if you think you're the best player out there, you're probably wrong. No, very wrong. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like even Tom Schreiber probably doesn't think he's the best midfielder in the world. He probably no. studies his teammates and studies mm-hmm. all these people like he can learn from. Yeah. Um, because there's maybe a, an element to Tom Schreiber's game that he's the best at. Mm-hmm. I think he's the best midfield passer yeah. of oh, all yeah. time. Like he's probably not. He doesn't need to watch other people. No. But there's, you know, there's people that dodge better than him. There's yeah. people that are quicker than him. 100%. That you can learn from. So, yeah, I'm a firm believer that you can watch, like just get better by watching yeah. people. I watch tons of college guys who are like my age or um, – I can't think of the names off the top of my head right now. But like last summer there, I was watching plenty of kids who are my age or younger or older that are still in college that I may play against and I was still trying to learn from, yeah, yeah. from them. Yeah, everyone's got, everyone's got something they can teach you. Yeah, And I think 100%. that's what you do very well is you kind of absorb a lot of information and, and you kind of adapt it to your game mm-hmm. how you see fit. Yeah. Um, so – that's awesome. So let's let's uh, talk about how you train, mm-hmm. and specifically, it might be easiest to do this because um, it's kind of hard to talk about how you train. Um, let's talk about your daily routine mm-hmm. when you're not at Syracuse. Okay. Let's say like a daily routine when you are home for the holidays. Yeah. Uh, you got nothing else to do, but I mean, your full time job is to play. Lacrosse. Yeah. No. Basically definitely. Get better. Hundred percent. You know, win Syracuse National. I say that's your, probably what you do, are doing. Hundred percent. What is your a day in the tuck of Tucker Dorvik look like mm-hmm. when you're like you're home for the holidays. Yeah, so um I'm an early bird, so I like to get my day started, but um uh, usually like I'll wake up um and it depends like so I work with a trainer and depending on what time he can meet I'll like whatever time it may be. So a lot of times let's say this past this uh past winter this winter break that we're in, we've been working out from ten thirty to twelve. So I'll wake up and I'll go eat breakfast and I'll go play wall ball for 45 minutes, kind of get my day started, listen to music, whatever it may be. And from there, um, so 45 minutes of wall ball from there, I'll go lift for hour and a half. Um, and then after that, recently I've just been going like right away and I'll do my shooting right then, but usually I'll shoot sometime in the day. So, like I said earlier, like I like to do drills or stuff. Like I've been doing a bunch of drills with you or I'll take some of those drills, do them, whatever drills that I've learned in the past. I'll just do drills and then go home. How about, how long do you shoot for? You think like an average, an av- like probably an hour. If I'm by myself, it's a little bit, usually pretty quick mm-hmm. just cause I can like kind of set the balls up and just go get it done. So probably like an hour. Um, but depending like if I'm shooting with a buddy, it'll be like an hour and a half. And it's also fun. Like, you know Blake Beldaki, he plays deep hole and like he's just getting back into things. So he's like asked if he can shoot with me. And me and him have been shooting the last couple of days, and he plays close defense. And there's like stuff I've learned, mm-hmm. like trying to teach. He's like wants me to try to help him like learn how to shoot again and stuff, and just like kind of be a threat on offense. And I've like learned tons about like shooting, mm-hmm. just like talking to him and like trying to help him out, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and then I'll shoot, and then usually I'll go home, and I'll like 
sometime in the afternoon I'll watch a little bit of film and then after that I'll just like go hang out with my so buddies. Like half an hour film or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well then you then you like you said your full time job is um, you know, getting better at lacrosse. Mm-hmm. So Tucker Dordovic's average day is three hours and forty five minutes of work. Mm-hmm. I would be hard pressed to find a kid that says they want to go play at Syracuse at in eighth grade right now in Oregon. There might be some mm-hmm. that are putting in three hours and forty five minutes of work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's I don't think I could find those people. No. Um so there is a direct correlation with how hard you train. Yeah. And um, how good you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and one quick thing, I know I've said like I do a bunch of drills when you shoot. I also think it's good to go out though some days and just like, oh yeah, feel like you're in the backyard, just like have fun because I think that helps with lacrosse as well. Oh yeah, it's like um, I get better at lacrosse. I think when I play, pick up basketball with my friends. Yeah, like I just get better when I have a stick in my hand. Like my 100%. stick skills are the best they've ever been, mm-hmm. and I haven't played a competitive lacrosse game in a long time. Yeah, right. Like just because I'm coaching. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I always have a stick in my hand, and mm-hmm. my stick skills are always getting better. Yeah, more fluid. Hundred like, percent. And it's just by just I don't know what, but just by having a stick exactly. in my hand, my my hands are better. Like yeah. my stick's better. Um, when so you're younger, you don't think they're like have your stick in your hand. You're like, oh, like, that's not. But then you, it's how it works. Like if yeah. you do something more than someone else, or do something more than you usually do, you'll become better. At- yeah. Um, no, man. Training is so important, and but effective training. It's mm-hmm. like we're talking about like. Like your wall ball routine is no joke. Mm-hmm. Like you probably go, you probably break a sweat. Yeah. yeah. You have to. Yeah. Right. I mean, it could be fun. You're mm-hmm. trying multiple passes, but you're doing yeah. it at the level of intensity that's going to make you better. Definitely. Your feet um, are moving, whatever yeah. it may be. So you get a sweat in. I mean, I've seen the workouts you do with your trainer. They're not easy. Mm-hmm. Like they're hard. They're tough. Mm-hmm. Like we're not just talking shop and doing all this stuff. Yeah. Um, I've seen you shoot. It's intense. Like mm-hmm. you, you get, you, you're always like, trying to catch your breath but that's like how you get better you try mm-hmm. to do it when you're tired yeah um and then you you know after a long day like you're still probably tired but you're like i'm gonna go watch some film exactly um nowhere in there did tucker play six hours of video games no nowhere in there did tucker wake up at noon yeah um if you want to be there's a lot of kids that say they want to play division one lacrosse mm-hmm. or at the highest level there's no saying it without going and doing 100 right you can't just say it and make it happen you got to go make it happen i agree 150 percent. yeah so i that's like one of the things i wanted to get out of talking with you is i don't think people quite understand how much work you put in mm-hmm. to become the level player i mean just go watch tucker's highlights you understand why he's so good mm-hmm. and now you see like three hours 45 minutes a day yeah like maybe it's not every day but not like yet. when you when you're like when you make a commitment to yourself like today's a big training day exactly you're making the most out of it yeah so that's a that's a big big thing I wanted to get out of um, this podcast is there's no Tucker Dordovic without the work people don't see. Hundred mm, um, percent. Cool. So let's uh, move on to what the other stuff you do when you're home. Mm-hmm. You you coach. Yeah. Madlax, Oregon, which is cool, which mm-hmm. is awesome. I think kids love seeing you out there. Mm-hmm. Kids don't know who the older coaches are anymore. Mm-hmm. They have zero clue who we are. <laughs> But they get to see you, and like that's a role model that they can follow. And um, it's super cool you're giving your time back to kids mm-hmm. um, that admire you, respect you, want to be like you, so you can impart hopefully half of your energy onto them. Right? Yeah. Because you have a lot of energy to give. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure a lot of kids yeah. can absorb it. <laughs> but um, 
just talk, tell me why spend your off seasons and your free time coaching. Yeah, no, these I kids. I first of all think it's very fun. Like all the other coaches are awesome dudes too. Like everybody, like lacrosse in Oregon is such a tight knit community. Like I would say like ninety percent, ninety five percent of the Madlax coaches have all known each other for four or five, six years. Like known each other for a long time. Um, but kind of back to like coaches, I think it's. I have like a lot of pride in being from Oregon mm -hmm. and especially being 3000 miles away. Like when I'm at school, like I like to wear like my Oregon duck shirts and like, I like to show that I'm from mm -hmm. not New York, not Baltimore, not like wherever it may be. Like, and I want kids to want to grow up and do the same thing and pass it on. Like uh, there's no growth of the sport. If me, you, Sam, whoever it may be, the people that have played lacrosse and come out of Oregon and went and played college and have learned a bunch of knowledge don't repay the favor back to these kids who are 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it just the sport will get stagnant here and it won't grow. So I think just like I want the sport to get yeah. big. I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it might not happen in your lifetime. It might not happen in mine, but we're going to see it grow. 100%. People are doing their job. Right? Yeah. And like, I think it's a, it's a, I feel a like a serve like I have to serve the community. definitely that gave me so much right? yeah like, I got to be a kid I got to grow up playing the sport loving it doing everything I wanted to do mm -hmm. because of my parents because of the coaches because of all these things a hundred percent and now it's like because I had such a um, fortunate life of playing lacrosse and doing what I love yeah I have to help them exactly get back hundred percent um, and I think that's really cool that a kid your age gets to see that. And there's lots of kids doing it mm -hmm. your age. It's awesome. Um, you know, I, I my two assistant coaches this summer at Madlax were Alex Lusher and Keenan DeReeve. Yeah. Both kids that... Weren't even in college yet. You no, know, weren't even in college yet. Yeah. High school graduates and they were coming back. As exactly. Coach and, um, it's fun. It's so much fun. And I also think, I remember coaching two summers ago. I coached the first, I coached the 2026s. Mm -hmm. And I remember I said this to someone in Bend. Might have been, I think it was Cam or Coach Landian. And I was like... I also feel like I've learned like tons about lacrosse. Oh yeah, like coaching. Like there was so much stuff. Because you're, you're always when you're a player, mm -hmm. you're always being talked to. Mm -hmm. You're not talking about. Like, True. You're you're not the one speaking it. You're always being talked to. Like Coach Donahue knows what he's talking about at Syracuse. Exactly. Right. And you have to try to process it. Yeah. And there's nothing that teaches you more about the sport than when you have to go read it. It's like taking a test, right? Mm -hmm. Or like taking an oral exam or something. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't. I did not know how much I didn't know about lacrosse until I started coaching. Yeah. Especially like, like us, we go, we have to go through a full season. Exactly. Like crafting an, an offense and crafting its yeah. identity. Like I didn't, I knew nothing about lacrosse mm -hmm. until I was about 25 years old. I also think another, another thing is like, I didn't realize this until this year. Um, but if people or kids, I think need to cherish the fact that they may have different coaches year in and year out at these club teams because every coach brings something different and unique to the table. Like we just got a new offensive coordinator, Coach March, who's what, 31, 32 years old. I don't actually know, but I've learned like more. I started to think about that. I was like, the more coaches I see, the more I'll learn, whether it's at Mad Lax or it's at Syracuse or it's mm -hmm. at a lacrosse tournament. I've learned like more about lacrosse having a new coach in Coach March who isn't a Syracuse guy. He didn't go to Syracuse and like play here. He didn't, he hasn't coached here in the past. Then I've like ever learned and that's in three months. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you just have to take pieces from every coach that you've learned stuff from. Cause I think people say like, Oh, I may have this favorite coach. I may have liked that coach. But like at the end of the day, whether they're the worst coach in the world or the 
best coach in the world, they still, I'm sure, have at least one piece of knowledge that you can learn oh, from. Oh, of course. I mean, I learn, I learn from every coach I'm around. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's, like, part of the reason I love Coach Madlax is I'm surrounded by guys that I learn from. Like, yeah. I learned, you know, he coached me when I was young, but Coach Dennis Sullivan, uh-huh. I've learned more just watching him coach <laughs> yeah. than I've ever learned about than when he was coaching me. I bet, yeah. Um, just from afar. And Josh Peck and Bill Gleason and um, even, like, some of the assistant coaches out there. Like, mm-hmm. I've learned from Alex Lusher. I've yeah. learned from um, – I had a coach named Andrew Legg this fall. Like, I've learned from yeah. everybody. Definitely. And it's not uh, – again, maybe I don't – it doesn't directly translate to my coaching acumen. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't take it and go implement it somewhere else. But I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I could – morph that into something about for my own 100 percent. yeah and that's, I, there's so many ways to coach i also think with like kids is like this is another thing like i've really after sitting out a year and listening to and watching like nothing was directed at me i wasn't playing i was sitting i was on a scooter with a cast on my foot so i just all i could do is watch and so this year like having coach march at all times he's teaching people but I, no matter who he's talking to, I will still try to listen in because there's something in there that I could benefit from. Yeah, it's uh, the term that we use for, or I've used for it is um, you have to get your mental reps in. Like if you're in the back of the line of a drill, mm-hmm. 4v4 or whatever, yeah. and you're just like talking shop with your buddy behind yeah. you and you're not listening to the coaching cues or mm-hmm. like when coach stops the drill because someone messed up, not messed up or like needs to be corrected or all this stuff, right? Yeah. Like if you're not, if you're not actually listening, you're missing out on opportunities. hundred percent. And there's nothing 100%. worse as a coach for like me to stop a drill, someone to make a mistake in the drill and then the kid behind him go to make the same mistake. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I sure, you, I'm sure you are feeling that when you yeah. coach the 26s, right? Like attention spans are limited. Very limited. At, you know, at the younger ages. Yeah. Um, you know, they're still limited. I coach eighth graders. Yeah. I mean, it's going to get better every year. Mm-hmm. You've got um, college are limited. At yeah. Times. They're limited. I mean, it's just, it's just the nature of, the world today is like yeah. attention spans are limited i try not to say a bunch when i coach mm-hmm. i try to create the right environment that teaches them but when i have something to say like i open my mouth i'm not a very talkative coach mm-hmm. in practice but when i open my mouth it's because i'm saying something important i agree yeah um, and you just have to as, as a player you have to give that coach the utmost respect mm-hmm. in that moment and then go about the drill because mm-hmm. um, honestly if we were efficient at practice um especially like LO, we could get into our practices down an hour and 15. Yeah. If the kids like listen, listen, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, and we're just like flying around. We could yeah. get out of here in an hour and 15 minutes, but yeah. it's just probably not going to happen. No. Um, and I think that's like the, I honestly think that's how I think I learned the most like you, like coach uh, Sullivan, like our coach March, like coach Desco, coach Rogers, all of our coaches. It's not like they're like, like talking that long. Like no. they say it, they expect you to hear it right away. If you have a question, you can go up and ask it. But, like, I think that's the best way to coach because you get these some coaches. Like, I've had coaches who have, like, tried to discuss things for a play for or a set for 15 minutes. And yeah. you're like, uh, well, teach you quantum physics, like, yeah. on the whiteboard. <laughs> I have no clue what's going on anymore. Yeah. Like, you had me in the first couple minutes, and now it's just – you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think the way – like, you're bre- – like, you say how it is. You mm-hmm. tell us what it should be. Coach Solis is the same thing. Our offensive coordinator now is, like – that's, like, my favorite part about him is he's just, like – we know his stuff works and when he writes it down, everybody listens mm-hmm. and it, we, it's two seconds long mm-hmm. and it's like, I don't know if you see what I'm saying. It's yeah. Like, I think it's, uh, I don't know the correct term for it, but I've, I heard a coach and I, it might've been a basketball coach. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I learn a lot from watching the basketball coach here at Lake Oswego operate. Um, yeah. But it's environment over lecture. Yeah. So I'm going to create an environment and a drill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a drill that the drill is teaching them. Mm-hmm. Not that necessarily I'm teaching them. Yeah. Like, I don't have to explain it. I'm not going to stop the drill every five minutes. The more yeah. reps we get, the environment's going to do the teaching. That's very Whether true. it's yeah. like a, a drill where every time it crosses this line, you have to dodge. Or whether it's every time it goes over here, you have to set a pick. Like, yeah. They're just going to learn by doing. 100%. And that's the environment that I like to operate yeah. in. Yeah. I agree. That's, I mean, that's how it should be done. Yeah. You can't get better from not playing lacrosse. Yeah. At I the know. end of the day, you got to play lacrosse. So. so I think I think as like parents, I think there's a, a lot of times a perception that coaches aren't teaching because they don't talk a lot. Yeah. Because um, I've seen I've seen parents like ask that question like, um, you know, you don't talk a whole bunch. Like, are we, what are they learning? I'm like, trust me, they're learning. Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so any, okay. So you talked about you spend your off seasons coaching and you're the, are you going to continue with 26s? Yeah. Like, hopefully I like, I mean, I like the, like the crew. Yeah. I like the crew. You probably learn from them watching them play tons. Like they're, they're going like half speed compared to you or less. speed, yeah. But like you still like watch, look, if you watch lacrosse, it doesn't matter if like the ball's on the ground more, no. or like there's more ground balls. Like I'm learning. Yeah. Like I, also one thing I learned just, I le- actually just learned this a year ago was like, once I, once I got hurt the second time, I remember talking to coach and I was like, I, I don't know what I'm gonna, I didn't get to play in the fall. I mm-hmm. was recovering and now I'm, what am I going to do this? And he, he said to me, he goes, you have to look at lacrosse differently now. And he's like, how'd you watch it before? And I was like, I would just watch the ball. Whoever had mm-hmm. it when they swung it, I would just follow the ball. And he goes, when you watch lacrosse, you got to watch it from like a wide angle camera. Like you can't just look at the ball. You gotta look at all the other things that are happening. And I was like, that was the first time where I was like, that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. It's like you learn so much more. If you just look at all the other pieces of the puzzle, like the ball at times is the least important part. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's how I try to coach. Like I rarely watch the ball. If the, if the players have good stick skills and are doing what I teach them, like the ball's going to take care of itself. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more. You probably get frustrated too. 26s i frustrate a little bit with 24s yeah it's like i watch all the other five guys and i'm like what are they doing exactly right we do not practice standing still yeah everybody yeah yeah you're so, one person moving um but yeah that comes with time and yeah getting older and understanding the game better um what we'll end with the madlax um kind of talk coaching mm-hmm. talk with any observations um from the next generation of players at oregon like what, what are you what are you observing yeah i mean just from my 2026 team i think they're like fourth fifth sixth graders i think they would probably kill like my like fifth grade like the kids are extremely talented i also think there's like a little bit of a i think nowadays you have kids that are starting so much earlier and some kids that there's like a little bit of a drop off mm-hmm. i'm sure that will gain ground as like kids get older obviously but like i think the kids now even like watching kids who are freshmen and sophomore yeah, when they were fifth graders like the talent is like pretty legit now like you have a lot of it's like i feel like back when like you played and me play, like i played and even like alex and sam and stuff like there's always like five or six like pretty good players who like probably hopefully play in college like really like lacrosse and then there was like the steepest drop off ever and i feel like now like everybody is pretty good mm-hmm. especially at like the club level like i think for the most part there's probably maybe three kids on my on my 2026 team that like at this age I would say are like elite and then everybody else is like one notch behind mm-hmm. 
and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Like everybody's so close in talent that it's just, I don't know, it's going to help a lot for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, what I always like to say is, um, how I kind of think about that is the average player is so much better than the average player when I played a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Like the, there is more talented players and then the kids that are, you know, or coming into the sport or just kind of new or have only played for a year. They're like, for some reason they're getting better faster. Yeah. And the average, the average player, especially like freshmen. Now you see like freshmen coming in or sophomores, like the average player is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like they, we can pass and catch. We don't have yeah. to teach that. I mean, we work on it, but we don't have to like, worry exactly. About it I remember much. my freshman year of high school, like, that was like the biggest emphasis was like we'd go to practice and we'd like play pat like wall ball mm-hmm. and i was like at the time i was like we probably needed like we should do I, I didn't think that now but i was like why are we doing this but now i'm like we needed to because mm-hmm. it was just kids weren't having their stick in their hand enough yeah outside of practice i think i think it's like i mean i still think the team that passes and catches the best still wins 100 percent generally so like we put some emphasis in it but like we don't spend as much time no like, we're not doing line drills forever we're yeah we are getting our reps in at 4v4 and mimicking offenses. Exactly. And like, my thing, too, is kids understand the game. So much That's what I was, yeah, I was just going like, to say. Kids on my 2016 pick things up. Like, the fact that we can – I mean, maybe it doesn't happen every possession. But, like, your 2016 or my 2014, like, they are calling out – like, my defense is calling out one, two, and three slides. Yeah. They know coma slides. They know when to go adjacently. Mm-hmm. They're hedging. They're doing all these, like, elite-level defensive <laughs> things that – they didn't do when I was I no. mean, we we got through a crease slide that was about it. Yeah, in my age, yeah, everything was like the most standard, taught whatever like the easiest way mm-hmm. that we could learn was, and that was it. We went. Yeah, I mean, like my eighth grade, I can make an adjustment at halftime of a yeah. summer league game, <laughs> slide differently, and they'll do it. Exactly, they'll um, pick up on it. Yeah, so it's really cool to see. I think it's just speaks to the growth of the game and coaches coming back like yeah, coaching and it's awesome. Um, so let's uh some ending thoughts. What's uh, one thing today that kids are not doing enough? Maybe it doesn't have to be lacrosse related. It mm-hmm. can be anything they're not doing enough of. Let's just say for just the sake of this podcast, let's say wall balls off the table. Okay. Yeah. That, no, that's definitely. probably the one thing they're that not was doing the, enough of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that technology, so cell phones, computers, laptops, mainly cell phones, are so heavily used for social media. Like I think kids, like even coaching my 2016, there are kids who will bring up stuff on social media that I'm like, how do you guys know like mm-hmm. what that is? But they are on their phones just on Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter or whatever, like the whole day long. What are these tournaments? And they're sitting around a circle all on Instagram for three hours straight. And so I think the one thing kids aren't doing enough is just watching lacrosse. I think they watch a lot of highlights on their phone, but I think kids would learn a lot if they went on YouTube and typed in UNC versus Princeton 2012 or whatever. Maybe I'm just making it up. I don't even know if they ever played, but mm-hmm. just like random games, whether they're from like 1990, like you can go watch like Gary Gate play and like mm-hmm. them and learn a bunch of stuff. And you can watch like a game from 2012 or a game from this past year. I just think there's so much lacrosse that kids can watch. That isn't just a highlight. Paul Rabel doing a around the world pass. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like this, they watch, I mean, they may be watching tons of lacrosse, but it's all like around the world goal. Like it's nothing like that you're necessarily learning from. Yeah. That makes sense. No, it makes sense. I think they're watching such small clips, 30 second clip highlights where you can't really learn a lot. Uh-huh. You'd be like, that's really cool. Yeah. But how do you do that? Or like, how does that apply to a full game or, um, 
it serves its purpose because uh-huh. I'm sure kids have tried to go mimic Paul Rebels around the yeah, world past. Definitely it serves its purpose, but it doesn't serve. It's not gonna make your IQ. Like you're not gonna learn about exactly. the game of lacrosse. I watch like a lot of that, like even now, like the lacrosse film room stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I'll oh, yeah. still go on there. It's like very. All the clips are combined. It's stuff that I want to see, mm-hmm. and I know that I can like benefit from rather than going like even half of them they don't even score goals on. It's just like yeah. what goes on. So like maybe maybe the advice you think is what kids are not doing enough of is putting their phones down. Yeah. Also. Exactly. Like, go shoot. Yeah. You don't need your phone. There. No, hundred. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. Hundred like, percent. If you're gonna use your phone, use it for something beneficial. I'm not, exactly. We're not saying don't use social media. I no. think it serves its purpose too. Um, but. Like why we promote this podcast on social media, so I'm not saying it's a yeah. bad thing. I'm just saying, you are saying, go watch more lacrosse. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna use your phone, go use it to watch more lacrosse. Yeah. Or put your phone down in a tournament and actually watch the game. Yeah, and hang out with your buddies. You. Yeah, yeah. Go say, go to talk about whatever, but like, or turn around and watch the elite. Like your 26s. I remember when I was fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I would go watch the elite teams, yeah. like the high school teams, because I was like, I looked up to them. And yeah, I like, knew like some names. I'd go find RC Elite. Mm-hmm. I'd go find. Um, we would go watch your guys' team yeah. every tournament yeah. when we were in like fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Exactly. Every tournament, watch the Black Rhino. I was like, where are they playing? We need to have their schedule and our schedule down. Yeah, it's like I forgot. If, I forgot if we won, but like let's go watch the better. <laughs> exactly. Like, the, the elite teams play. Like I didn't have a, phone, like a flip phone or something that didn't yeah. do what it does now. I remember at I was playing on the team, but when we were that t- team with like Tahoka and stuff, like, everybody wanted to see him play. That there was like. We had a game, and there was like more guys, people at it than like my high school games. Yeah, and I was like, "This is a forty-five minute long, yeah, club lacrosse game." Yeah, probably, probably not a lot of twenty-six-year-olds were holding their attention though. They're probably running around. It's probably old, old people. Yeah, it's yeah. The field. older people. No, no, but there was like just people just wanted to come see Tahoka. Yeah, they were like, "I've heard about this guy. I've seen his highlights. Like, I want to see him play." And he did crazy stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, use your phone, watch like good lacrosse, mm-hmm. or put it down and go find, play. Play. Just yeah. go find something to do that does not involve your phone. Play being three there. by with your buddies in your backyard. Go play basketball. Yeah. Play pick up basketball. You'll you'll learn. Go play three by. Yeah. Three by is like the most fun thing ever. So done. much fun. Um so um this will be like a fun question. Maybe like kids will go watch highlights of these kids or these people if they don't know them after mm-hmm. this. Like you could play on a midfield line with any players in like the world. Who would it be? And then who are the attackmen also supporting you? Gotta give credit the my the line I ran with at school. I gotta give credit to Brennan Curry and Jamie Trebois. They're like my best friends. So I, take them out of the equation, because mm-hmm. um, I've always want, want to run with them. They're like my best friends in the world. But I would say Schreiber, without even a question, mm-hmm. and probably Kyle Harrison. Kyle Harrison back when he was playing for Hopkins, yeah. taking face offs and stuff like that, and then. Attack, easy one, Mike Powell. Yeah, easy. Lyle Thompson for sure. It's such a weird like yeah. group of people. Uh Lyle for sure. God, the fourth one. I gotta go with Matt Rambo. Yeah. I think like his game this past he's always been elite, but like this past PLL season was Elite, like, yeah. He, elite across. He, he's hard to stop. Yeah. Good boy. And he's lefty. He's yeah. lefty. But no, that'd be a fun team to watch. Yeah, there. Rambo's legit. Yeah, someday maybe you'll get a play out there with PLL boys. It'd be cool for sure. Yeah. Um. All right, so we'll, we'll end with that. Um. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Oregon Lacrosse Podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening to Tucker um, talk about lacrosse, about his training, uh, about recruiting, uh, etc. 
make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Oregon Lacrosse Podcast to get updates on new episodes. And make sure you follow Tucker Dordovic. Uh, it's actually Ducker. Yeah, I don't know. Dordovic. Yeah. It's the, you just switch the T and the D in the yeah. name. Yep. And uh, make sure you follow Tucker. Um, but thank you, Tucker, for your time and Thanks providing insight me. to the community. I'm sure everyone's going to love this podcast. Sure. Um, thank you. If you're, a, if you're a kid out there or anything and you see Tucker coaching, I'm sure he'd love to come talk to you. So for sure. Just come say hi to Tucker. 100%. Um, and we'll uh, see you next time on the next episode. Thanks. Thank you.